We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am James Anderson. I'm filling in for Jeff Erickson, who I believe is on a golf course somewhere. And I am happy to be joined by my buddy Chris Welsh of InThisLeague.com. Uh, Chris and I go go way, way back. Um, he's one of my best friends in the industry, and I, I figured he was the perfect guy to have on while I pinch it for Jeff. So, Chris, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing good, dude. I'm glad you thought of me. Uh, you know, shout out to the horrible time that Jeff is probably having on the, you know, missing the podcast to have just beautiful golf and during summertime. But I am excited to be here talking about all the things baseball and specifically the hijacking that you are going to do with hijacking this bad boy to talk prospects with me. Love it. Yeah, uh, we are sponsored today by WinBet. Um, really cool sponsor. Should have mentioned that earlier in the show, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I apologize to anyone who's, who's used to tuning into this and just getting straight, uh, redraft stuff, but, uh, prospects is, is what, uh, Chris and I are probably the most passionate about. I think it'll be a good show and we're going to, we're going to touch on a lot of stuff. I mean, I think it's going to, there's going to be some, uh, relevant stuff for people who just play redraft because we're going to do a big uh, draft in the second half of the podcast where we try to predict <clears throat> some of the top prospects who are going to make the Arizona fall league rosters. And of course, lots of you guys, even if you're not following prospects that closely, a lot of you follow the fall league. I mean, that's, that's um, kind of considered the finishing school for, yeah. for prospects. So uh, a lot of the guys we're going to mention later in the show are, are guys that could be up and, and debuting next year. But um, first I just wanted to, to kind of, give a little background on like Chris and I, I mean, how, how long have we been podcasting and, and stuff together? Cause I know you and I were probably the, the first people to start going 400, 500 deep on prospect rankings in general with accompanying podcasts. And I feel like we've been doing it for just about the same amount of time. I think it has to be. So I started doing in this league because there's a couple different entities. Like I've got in this league, which has a baseball, a football, all this other stuff. And then an offshoot is my prospect show prospect one. I started in this league in 2014. And I want to say I started prospect one in 2016, potentially 2017, somewhere in there. So it's four to five years old. And when I started, I did the classic 
100. That was the very first thing I did. And to keep people in mind, I remember like Raphael Devers was still a prospect. And that was kind of one of the big takeaways. If anybody saw my list at that time was Devers was actually kind of teetering down, but I'm a, I'm a big Devers guy. I had him at like four and I remember people not even having him in the top 20. That's just like a memory of that. And then I pretty quickly moved into like 250 and then I just went straight to 500, I think within a year span. So I want to say I've been top 500, 500 at least since 2018, if not 17 that accompanied the podcast. Is that like about the same timetable? Yeah, you know, I when I first started, um, it was a two hundred. It was a ranking of two hundred guys, yeah. and it was. Uh, I remember Oscar Tavares was like my number three prospect for oh, my, my very first uh, first set of rankings I put out. Yeah, um, really, really a bummer. Um, I mean, he he was going to be special, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. I think I, I probably expanded to four hundred. Uh, right around the same time you did, um, 2016, 2017, something like that. And uh, Clay and I have been doing the the Prospect podcast for at least that long. Uh, so yeah, I think we're we're kind of basically been kind of moving at the same pace with this, and it's it's been a lot of fun, man. I mean, I I really appreciate uh, your friendship and all the times you've had me on on your show, uh, Prospect One, which is which is probably the baseball podcast I listen to the most. I mean, actually I can say um, without question, it's the one I listen to the most because I don't listen to that many, but um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about, and I really, and you know, and you, everybody knows that has listened to me and you know, I feel the exact same way. I reciprocate all of that because you and I, I don't, I wish I could recall like the, impetus of like what the show was like i have a i have a knack sometimes though i go both sides where i will bring on just like now i kind of like maybe lazily sometimes we'll just bring on my friends in the industry and i'll you know and i'll, and I'll abuse the relationship i'll be like hey tomorrow i'm doing a podcast will you come on with me and then and you know and like james will be like yeah if i can but like in the early days and i try i need to get back to it more I would be a lot more like, I'm going to reach out to people. Like I, I would say not to toot, but I definitely had a couple instances where I gave, didn't give, but I had people on in their first time, like Eddie Elmingare. Like I was enamored with Eddie and I'm pretty sure like on Prospects Live, Eddie's one of his first podcast appearances was on my show on Prospect One. So I would do that from time to time. But you were like one of the very first, because if anybody cared about the history of Prospect One, the reason I started it actually was that I randomly got Jonathan Mayo booked. Like somehow like Jonathan Mayo got booked before I made the podcast. So I made the podcast and he was the very first one. But after that, I don't know how much guests I did. And I don't recall exactly, but you were early on in the process. And somehow, I don't know if it was the fall league that got you and me connected, or I just asked to get you on. And then all of a sudden it was like, you and I were, you know, you're practically, we practically been co-hosts of stuff because we've done so many shows together. We've been doing pods at least for like at least three years, if not four years. I mean, I would say it's closer to five than Maybe. three. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, I mean, you, you're talking about how you've, you've gotten lazy with, with having your friends on. I mean, there could be nothing lazier than me having you on for this podcast. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. Um, you know, since we since we've been doing this, though, like I, I did want to kind of like hit on this. I mean, it's just it's kind of been wild to me just how uh, this sort of 
fantasy prospect evaluation industry has just oh. exploded and it's it's i think it's kind of maybe in the last like two years or so um and like it you know every year it just seems to get bigger and bigger and there's more and more people with rankings there's more and more people with their evaluations and their opinions and um, I mean, especially if you're on Twitter as much as, as we are, it's oh just, my God, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I probably follow, I probably follow like over 50 people who in some form or fashion rank fantasy prospects. Um, like what, Which, what's that, what's that explosion been like for you? I don't know, man, because like, I remember like when I started it, like there were a lot, there were lots of people when I started doing so there are lots of people that were doing prospect coverage, but one of the things that pushed me to want to do it is I didn't believe there was enough fantasy prospect coverage enough. Like I think you were one of the few um, there might've been like one or two others, but a lot of the main coverage was like the actual big sites. And that was like one of the, there was literally the big thing I had in the very first episode of prospect one with Jonathan Mayo was like looking at their list and trying to push them to talk about it from an offensive standpoint. And that was where I put in, I've said this a couple of times, but People know that one of the things I did was Ahmed Rosario was like number three on, on pipelines prospect list. And I had pushed Mayo to be like, well, you know, offensively, you know, he kind of struggles. I'm like, is this a defense or offense? And he said, well, if I was, if I was going offense, he'd probably be closer to the twenties. And that was a big deal because I, I, so many people were using got things like pipeline and baseball America at that time for real baseball list for fantasy. And that is what kind of pushed it. So I think you and I kind of, we moved along there were some other people doing, I mean, um, Ralph at the time, now Jeff Pontus was, you know, he was doing some of this stuff. You had some guys that were, there was this core group. And then all of a sudden, about 18 months ago, two years ago, it's exploded to where the big sites, Baseball America now does fantasy coverage, which was a big thing. I talked with Matt Eddy over there about it. A pipeline acknowledges it. Like I, I'm Jim Callis comes on my show a lot and he now knows to talk in fantasy terms and even fan graphs, which I think push back about it quite a bit or in the early years understands that that's the bread and butter. So then all of a sudden, as those sites adjusted, we have a slew of people for better or for worse have come into it and are ranking. And I don't know how to take it sometimes. Sometimes I think we get lost uh, or you get worried. You get lost. Uh, Shelly Vershade, um, probably just butchered her last how do you ver, first you said i think you got it first yeah i think i said it right like shelly has been a, a good prominent name that has been dealing with prospects and, and she even was kind of like hey i'm gonna step away because i don't know where i fit anymore and i think that comes in because of maybe the flood and and some of us that have been doing it for a long time you find yourself being extra competitive to make sure you're you know where, where we would have conversations about guys all of a sudden it's like you might have a thought. And if you don't get that thought out immediately now, 12 other people might start like saying similar things. So I think the competitive nature of it is jumped up, which is good. But I think also like, eh, sometimes it gets diluted. You get like, I, I'm talking so much and I apologize, but here's one thing I know about myself. And you tell me this also James in the early stages of prospect evaluation and however you and I do it, I had bad traits that I learned and I learned from, and I incorporate into my ranks now. And I see a lot of those bad traits prevalent in new people that do prospect analysis that they're going to get wrong, or, or maybe they're going to hit on a couple and they'll go with, and I had to learn from that. And that was like over aggressive ranking on rookies, um, 
complete focus on a on a small sample size. Those were things that I did sometimes not doing the proper evaluation. Kevin Maiton's a perfect example of falling into the hype. I see a lot of those traits more prevalent. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do with that, but I've learned from that. And I don't think people have had enough time to learn from that right now, which could make some of the process volatile. The, the prospect game it might be very volatile in the uh, next couple of years. Uh, do you feel the same way? Did you have stuff that like you've learned from that have bettered your analysis and better your ranks? Oh, I mean, just countless, countless stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's like, you know, it's like anything in life, any, any kind of, um, profession or, uh, something that you're trying to continue to get better at, um, you're just naturally going to improve with reps and, um, you know, there, there's just lots of stuff that I think you kind of almost have to learn, um, through those, you know, trial and error, right? Like, I mean, there's not like some sort of handbook that I could write on like, here's, here's how you should rank prospects for fantasy. Like you, you kind of just, when you see enough prospects and you rank enough prospects, you start to pick up on trends and it's kind of like, I, I kind of recognize where this might be going with this player or, Uh, I'm scared away now because of this thing with, with this player um, based on stuff I've experienced in the past. Uh, But I mean, I I really think the only way to, to really get a good handle on that is to just kind of do it. And I, you know, I, I applaud anyone who wants to um, try to get into this, this field. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of a natural evolution because, you know, I think like you were saying, um, those top 100 lists, you know, the, the baseball America, baseball prospectus, MLB.com, like those had been used for a long time. I think, uh, maybe predominantly by people playing fantasy baseball, but, um, it, it hadn't been until, you know, the last five, six years that, uh, people got really serious about doing it with just fantasy baseball in mind. And it, it obviously was very popular because the people that were using those old lists, those top 100 lists were like, Oh, there's something better out there that I can use now. And so, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that it's, it's really exploded. Um, you know, just, just for me, like it's, it's made it a bit more stressful. Um, it is. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Like the, just the whole process and it, and it's kind of, and there that's good and bad because I think it, it pushes me to, uh, really put the work in, uh, you know, because it's like you have all these people doing these rankings. Like if I just got there and half-assed my my rankings, uh, people are going to be like, "Oh, these these aren't as good as the ones I could get over here." Uh, but at the same time, like it's just, you know, I I I had you know it's something I think about more and I'm, I'm stressed out about more when I'm like quote unquote off the clock or whatever. Um, you know, if I see people tweeting about stuff or totally um you know it's it's just it's it's natural to kind of you know feel that sort of pressure feel that sort of anxiousness um over the whole process but 
you know, I think, I think on the whole, I think it's, it's really been good for, for the whole industry. I agree. Like it pushes me, like I have some tendencies and I try to be like, I try to acknowledge them. If you care about prospect ranks for fantasy and stuff, like I have some stuff, I tend to be a little bit more reserved on going crazy on hype. And I think it's opening me up a little bit more and the more, the merrier uh, that are involved in it and that are excited about it. But, you know, at the same time, it's, uh, it's remembering the process. I think one thing that is very prevalent and it, I mean, it's also like a societal thing. Like look at how much analysis is starting to turn to like TikTok and, and quick, like, especially like fantasy football. Like it's like, Hey, we do these videos. Like everything is very quick and, and rapid that like prospects, it, it is a true process. And I know it can be like a little bit overplayed how I say it, but you know, the, the amount of people that are doing it and it put a focus on the now there are wins to be had right now. But if you don't also take the process as a whole, there's some burns, you know, there's some burns that can happen. So yes, if people only focus on, Hey, this guy for this last couple of weeks has been this and let's move him up to here. Remember that like, there's an entire game to this. You know, I would go back multiple years ago. I was huge on Nick Prado and Nick Prado at that time was a great play and you would have invested. And then unfortunately he tapered out for two years, but now look at him now. I mean, he's literally ranked back to where I liked him four years ago. And it's a process that works through the same. The inverse can happen for uh, prospects where you can go crazy, crazy hyper. Look at Vidal Bruhan. You know, I'm not saying that Vidal Bruhan shouldn't be crazy high, but Vidal was through the roof. People would have sold their soul for him. And then he really leveled off that he he's like the example of what the process is. The process is usually over a couple years for dynasty. And sometimes it doesn't matter to people. If you feel like to turn and burn, you know, then you just, you, you, you buy on the guys that are performing low, you get them, then you sell and you just keep turning and burning. That's great. My focus sometimes tends to be on the totality of it. And it's like, I want you to get in on the guy that has a chance to be a really, really impactful player and may have trade value down the line. But sometimes I tend to be a little stagnant in moving down or moving up some guys without track record. And some of the new stuff has has helped me be better about that. So yeah, at the end of the day, the more the merrier. Uh, I've always said, get as many tools in your tool belt. That's why I think people should follow multiple shows and you'll end up finding the people that you lean on a little bit more. And maybe it'll be James and I, maybe it'll be someone else. So Speaking of hype and overreacting to small samples, uh, one of the great things about Chris and why he's so good at this is he lives right out there in Arizona. And so he's on site for not only the Arizona Fall League, which we're going to talk about later, but, you know, extended spring training, uh, minor league spring training, and of course, the, the Arizona Complex League, which is going on right now. Which, by the way, I hate the new name. It used to be the AZL. They called it the Fire League. Now it's the Arizona Complex League, which is an acronym is ACL. And it's like, no. The way So the way that I wish that it was is I actually like it being called the Arizona Complex League and the Florida Complex League, but I but I think we should still refer to it as the AZL. Uh, that would be fine with me. I mean, it is complex ball, and so you can call it complex ball. I mean, I, the only argument I'd also have is there's no longer multiple stages of rookie ball, so you could just call it rookie ball. It could be Arizona rookie ball, Florida rookie ball, because before there used to be like, you know, this rookie ball, and mm-hmm. then like, you know, short season rookie, but there isn't any of that anymore. But I guess you could also get it confused with the 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 dominican summer league which is going on and actually some of the sites don't 
identify it and it gets confusing sometimes. But here here nor there, I just don't like the acronym of AZL. ACL. I want no, AZL back. Nobody nobody likes that acronym. No. It's it's a shame. But uh what I wanted to do before we get on to the uh the Arizona Fall League stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. Um since you are on site down there and you have been getting eyes on a lot of these guys, if not most of these guys, I wanted you to kind of break down for me your top five hitters from the ACL uh, or the AZL, whatever you want to say, <laughs> um, but your top five hitters. And I'm not just saying like, these are the five best hitters that that I've seen, but more just kind of like long-term, if I'm projecting ahead, these are the five hitters who I'm most impressed with their long-term prospects. And you yeah. can kind of go, I would just say, start, start with number one and, and let's hear it. Yeah, that and that's a really good identifier because there are guys that are performing at really high levels because I've talked to a couple of people about this, but like, you know, going and seeing sometimes the results don't even have to be there. Here's a prime example. And here's a prime example why on both sides, you know, you started this show off with being like, you know, hey, I know it's primary redraft and stuff, but you should pay attention. A lot of you guys play Dynasty and an AFL is important because AFL, which we're going to talk about later, the Fall League has such a good like starting point to the rookies that could be impactful next year because of that final training ground. Well, the complex rookie ball level also gets littered with some of the next big talent. And the per prime example is 2019 Bobby Witt Jr., Marco Luciano, CJ Abrams, Corbin Carroll, Luis Matos, all of those. And that's not even listing all of them. All of those guys started here and played their primary stuff. But to bring it back to your question, Bobby Witt was the least performing of all of those players. Yet I never moved off of Bobby Witt. I never moved Abrams above him. I never moved Marco Luciano uh, above. Well, I, you know what? I don't know if that's true. I may have done that at one point. But like sometimes it's not just about statistical performance overall. It's about you know the work being put in because pitching can be really crappy here. So just to set the stage. So it doesn't mean we just go and we pick the best statistical players that were out here is, has been the guy that's impressed my number one. And you and I have talked about this. This has been the number one guy from a, where I thought he was to what I see, not just performance, but future is Reggie Preciado is Reginald Preciado, the full name who was a San Diego Padres prospect who got traded in the U Darvish trade Preciado is a beast. And I think I text you like right after it. He's six foot four. I think they list him around a buck 80. He, he's, I think he was listed as a shortstop, but he's a third baseman out here and he's going to be a third baseman. Preciado, from the minute I saw him, I was like, boy, look at this dude. He's hitting 348 out here with a 400 OBP of 500 slugging. So he's a 345 guy. He's got a couple homers, eight doubles, couple triples, seven stolen bases. Pretty low strikeout, uh, 27 strikeouts and 115 at bats. He's walking a little bit and he has the most projectable body of any of the players out here. There's, there's a guy I'm going to mention in a minute that I just don't know where the body goes. Sometimes these guys have mature bodies. Preciado's got, I likened it to when I text you about it. I was like, this is like Brennan Davis all over again. Like this is the guy that can add serious muscle. He's got a really good advanced approach. And um, I have to eat crow on this because back, I don't know when it was, but uh, Jason Panini, who used to be with Prospects Live, he's a, he's a scout now with uh, the Minnesota Twins. He had said this, I think, before he got the gig. 
But during the um, the international class that had like Puasin and I'm completely drawing a blanket. Pena. Eric Pena. And, and oh, Pena. you know what it was? This was actually in 2019 at the Fall League. And this is when I saw Eric Pena. I think this is when it was. And I, and I caught him. And at that time, and then he said this after, he said, Preciado is the best international prospect out here in Arizona right now. And I was like, really, dude? Like, oh, over. Because I was enamored with Eric Pena. Puasin here or there, but Eric Pena was, I was enamored with, and he had said this before. And then as soon as I got my eyes on it, I had that, I had Jason, you know, the scout in the back of my head. I saw the body, everything about it and the complete domination of this league. Preciado is the number one guy to me. And I made a huge move. He's inside my top 75 uh, for fantasy prospects. And I think you did the same. I think, I think you went higher than me. Don't you have him like around the top 50? I got him inside my top 25, um, which I, Jeez, I know was, James? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, that that's honestly, I mean, that's, that's, that's my style for better or for worse. Like if I, if I'm feeling pretty confident that a guy is going to be a top 10 prospect um, in the a, not so distant play. future, like, I think that that's that's personally how i approach dynasty leagues like i'm trying to get superstars i'm not trying to get you know guys who are going to be the 150th pick in, in a redraft league but um that's a, fair, the, what, that's a fair point you know what what stands out to me about preciato like having not seen him hardly at all uh, other than just you know highlights and stuff like that is that his his batted ball profile and i'm sure you would probably attest to this having seen him a lot is just so exquisite for a player his age and his size like usually those six foot four guys you know it's it's just pull side pull side pull side and um you know maybe they're hitting a decent amount of line drives maybe they're not maybe uh they're hitting a lot of like infield fly balls maybe they're not but you know he's hitting the ball to all fields he's getting the ball in the air pretty regularly and like you said to have that strikeout rate where it is given his size and his age to me is just really really impressive and you know i i think people i i did i actually liked that return when they traded you darvish and got the the four young guys i thought it wasn't bad i didn't love it but i was like this is not as bad as everybody else is making it out to be and i and i've talked to like there's people in baseball who you know there's certain teams and certain front offices where you know they want probable big leaguers and that type of thing but to me like your only chance of landing a preciado in a trade is if you do it before people start to realize that he's going to be this good like you you can't trade for fernando tatis jr once he gets to low a um you have to trade for him uh, when he's barely played at all, otherwise you don't get him. And yeah, so- and that's and that's a big thing about and and I can appreciate that. That's why you know sometimes I've always thought an interesting thing. If you and I were like one in one, if I you know if I was working for RotoWire, you were working with me or whatever it was, I think one of the more fascinating things to do would be to average out you and I's rank of players because you know I, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. It's a really good statement about. Preciado, where you say like, hey, listen, if I think this guy could be a top 10, I want to go in. I do agree. And I, I've got him inside my 60. Actually, now that I'm looking, I forgot I had made that move. But, you know, he's in the 50 range right now. My only caveat to that is there are there are some when when I make that move, what it can tell people is like, let's say I've got Jordan Walker 
under there. Let's just hypothetically say that if I say you know, he's at 25, it's saying like, I would trade Jordan Walker for him. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Or guys that are really close, you know, maybe Brandon Marshes who haven't quite uh, made the full adjustment or Tyler. I mean, again, I'm picking some guys you probably have above him, but like, I'm, I'm, I, I want to be careful about saying, Hey, this guy who's still four years away, that I'm giving you the endorsement that you should trade away Austin Martin, who I know has some questions right now. So I'm a little bit about that. That's why I think like between your aggression and some of my hesitation, a middle ground would be good. So if you've got him at 25, I've got, do you say inside the top 25? Uh, as of right now, he'll be at 24 on my okay. update. It's going to go live on Monday. I currently have him at 58. So maybe the proper valuation is somewhere in the high 30s or 40. Maybe 40 is the marker you should think about. So like between us can be really good. But I think your approach is is, is well done. And either way, what it shows is you and I both going heavy and that this is a prospect you need to get in on who is four years away. This is not Bobby Witt playing in the fall league uh, or the, the complex league last year where he's already he's probably going to come up this year. This is Preciado is it's going to take some time. He's got to build up that body. And when his body readjusts, because he is the most projectable body I've seen out here in the complex league where I'm like, that dude can add 30 pounds of muscle. Easy. He can do that. He's going to have to readjust his game once he does that. He's three or four years away. So that's the type of commitment that redrafters would have a tough time with. But this is exactly the type of prospect I want to buy in on. And that's why the aggression is there. And you and I are with it. All right. Who is number two? Actually, his teammate. Uh, the, the Cubs team is loaded out here. And it is Kevin Alcantara, who was just traded from the New York Yankees. I'm doing this, um, even though I think there's a... The number three guy probably deserves to be number two, to be honest with you. But Alcantara, I think is star quality. He he also walks with the vibe. He's got this, he has this uh, persona. A lot of these guys are very quiet and reserved and stuff like that. Alcantara is a vibe and he has got that mentality and, and I really, really like him. And I think he's going to be a stud. Um, I, I got to pull up his numbers because I always forget that for him out here, uh, he hasn't been here that long, so he doesn't register enough. But uh, I, I want to say he's had a hit in almost every single game he's played in. He's shown off some good power, which is also like Preciado, he can stretch the field. The difference, though, and he's like six foot six, six foot five. I think they list him at six foot six. I'm not sure he's quite there. Um, he's a little bit taller than me, and I'm six foot three and a half. Is that I don't see Alcantara having the same body build like i don't like repressiato i think could like be a big muscle bound dude i just don't see that with alcantara i kind of think alcantara could go down the road of like o'neill cruz where o'neill cruz is always just going to be a skinny guy and i think he's going to do that but he's got just pure raw power he can run and kevin alcantara has been the um he's been my favorite he's my second favorite guy that i would be looking and investing on and he has become a top um a top 100 prospect for me e easy top 100 I'm, I'm laying it loose when i say that and would you agree that like maybe the separator between those two like if we're just talking about fantasy production is that preciato is probably a better bet to hit for a really high average um well, that's an interesting you know i don't know if that is the separator i think well 
I mean, I know. Look, I know Alcantara is hitting for a really high average right now, but I mean, he's yeah. striking out more than Preciado. He's older than Preciado. You're and probably the, and the size you're talking like guys that that guys that are that size like almost never develop like better than average hit tools. That right there is a big thing. Yeah, you you stopped me in my tracks a little bit, but that last statement I think is like absolutely dead on. You got to remember, and this is part of the process. Complex league pitching sucks. It like sucks hard out here. So. Uh, sometimes the walk numbers are inflated because I'm telling you the amount of times I watch guys that don't have even a hittable pitch and they just walk and people are like, wow, look at this walk rate. Eh, it's a little bit junky out here. So when guys are just trying to throw down the plate, these guys are connecting. You are right. It is more often than not guys of this size with strikeout issues are going to struggle. So yes, you're probably right. Alcatara may have a bigger power number. Why I kind of comped him to O'Neill Cruz, but O'Neill Cruz is like a perfect example of that exact point. Like he's not like the craziest high average guy. Alcatara is probably a little bit more prone to strikeouts. I think Alcatara will steal some more bases. Um, he's He only has three so far in, let's see, in complex levels since he's been out here. He's hitting 333. He's got two stolen bases. He hit one in the Florida League. He's had three homers since he's been out here in 39 at-bats and a 641 slugging. I mean, he's just been a monster since he's been out here. But I think Pressy out of the differentiating factor, yeah, you did get there, that he's a better bet for overall offense where Alcantara, you know, just might uh, might have more of those strikeout struggles, especially when he's challenged more. But he does have a really good sense of the plate, and he's number two to me. And who is number three? Oh, you know, number three is your boy, Edbert Perez, who you've been in on for quite some time. And he's an interesting guy when you see him in person. Uh, he's he's not tall. He's kind of short. He is stocky. That's a big way. He's like he's like uh, SpongeBob to me. You know, he's just like his body, not in a bad way, but like he's a thick body dude who's not as big as you might think. And he has been, I mean, everybody knows he has been dominating out here. Six homers while hitting 311, 26 strikeouts. He's not walking though. Five walks in 26 strikeouts. He's got some doubles. He's been a big, big power guy. Uh, the one thing I always argued with you about was I thought the speed wasn't going to be as much. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I maybe I projected on that, but I, I thought one of the differentiating factors I had with you was like he was kind of considered this plushish runner and he's just not running as much. And I just don't think that's going to be in the cards long, long term, though. Someone did put an interesting comp. No, it was you. <laughs> someone did. It was you that said like Jose, uh, Jose Ramirez comp. And I really loved that. I love that comp. I just don't know that he steals that much, but he has shown himself to be maybe the most impactful bat out here. The power is so freaking real. He hit one. I had a, a friend that was at a game who was over on the home run side and this ball crushed over him. And the next time we saw him, the guy said, I saw you hit this and I didn't know you could do that. And uh, Perez uh, speaks really uh, good English. And he goes, I didn't think I could do that. Like Perez did that. He's like, I didn't think I hit it where I hit it. And he's like, dude, you crushed it. So Perez is like a really good personality. He's the, the star of the team. The team surrounds him. He has that presence. He's got big power. He also makes pretty good decisions, but I worry about, um, I worry about when he's really challenged and where the average goes. And I'm also worried impactful stolen bases might go a little bit by the wayside with him, but he's still great. The problem why he didn't make it to like number two is he is a lot of what I thought where Alcantara um, and Preciado both exceeded my expectations. Yeah. With, with Hedbert um, it's, it's really, really impressive 
the power he gets to with the the swing that he has like it's yeah it, it's just so effortless for him and when you when you watch some of these home runs if you just watched him square up that ball like you would not be like oh that's going 420 um but he just he he flicks them out and i think your your concerns about the body are legit i mean his body has always been my least favorite part of him because um it's just you know it, it's he, he's what like 510 like 175 something like that would you I say i mean in person 510 170 he's probably it feels i would say more like 59 180 something but okay. that's also me projecting <laughs> a little bit like he's just stock like he's not fat at all he's just a thicker dude but you just worry like where could that go i mean you have no idea where it's going to go right like i mean yeah. he could you know, he could really kind of slim down as, you know, kind of the baby fat uh, moves away. He could get too big. Like he could end up being like a, a corner only guy who just the bat really has to carry him. Um, I, the, the, what, what really drew me to him is just sort of how advanced he seemed uh, relative to his age uh, dating back to you know when they, when he was playing like in the tricky league and and like Ben Badler was reporting on him like it just seemed like he was kind of a year or two ahead of a lot of his peers and then the fact that the Brewers brought him to uh, the alt site and you know that that's just the Brewers wouldn't have done that if they he's um, the thought he was going to be a, a major work in progress and he's the only of those international guys because there was a hand there's a small handful of the international guys that were brought to the outside he's the only one that's been successful Pawson has struggled right. eric pena is the worst of all he is right. struggled out here big time edward's the only one that has um he's you know he's answered that call and he has been successful out here and i think i think the Bre uh, the brewers would benefit from giving him a small taste up um, I, a lot of teams have done that in the past. Mm -hmm. Marco Luciano, uh, Carol, these guys in the fall league, the last couple of weeks, yeah, yeah Abram, boost them up and give them a handful of bats on the next level. I think they should do that. And it would tell us a, a bigger, a bigger story about him. And I think he's going to go through a adjustment period, uh, yeah. whether it's initially at low a, whether it's at high a, like I do think there's going to come a time when he can't just rely on his quick hands to do all that damage. He's going to have to develop a little bit better approach, but. And that's uh, why the walks to your point, I totally agree. And I think he, he can answer this, but a guy that also is not walking a whole bunch when those, I worry like what's that adjustment going to look like? So that's why I've been tenuous about going like balls to the wall about him, but I, I have him like top 50 prospect. All right. Who is number four? Number four, it, it, this one, now this is the one that's less boring. This is kind of my Bobby Witt-ish, like the production hasn't really like been through the wall or anything like that. But number four has been Isaiah Green with the Indians. Unfortunately, I wish it could be Carson Tucker, but uh, I talked to Carson and Isaiah like within the first week or two and Carson hurt his hand and he has not played since. And it's been almost a month. So he like really must've hurt because he, he had a, a brace on it. But Isaiah Green has been so poised he is, I want to say this might be a fact of, yeah, okay, well, I can say it like this, of all the players that have walked 20 or more times in the complex league, he's the 
uh, him and one other player. Now that I'm looking at it, I, I had it incorrect. There are only two players that have a higher walk than strikeout ratio. Number one is Milker Perez with the Mariners. Number two is, is Isaiah Green. He has one of the highest walk ratios. It's 140 points difference between his batting average and his OBP. Uh, four stolen bases, a homer, 283 batting average, 429 OBP. The thing that I don't love is he hasn't shown off the power, but I feel like he's shown one of the better plate presence presences presence of any player out here where he can get challenged. He works counts. He finds his pitch. He just has not been slapping for power. So that's the negative you could have, but I've been pretty high in Isaiah green. I was always high because I love the athlete. And this is one of those guys where I'm like, look, he's walking. He's working his counts. He's getting his hits. Yes. He only has four extra base hits, which isn't fantastic, but he's stealing bases. He'll get there. The power will develop. And I think that plate presence works really well in favor for him. So though he hasn't jumped off the screen, like plenty of other players, you go look at gaudy numbers and, and I can be honest with you. There's a guy or two that that's not going to make this list. And I'm kind of bummed that I didn't put on. Um, but there are some gaudy numbers that have put, been put out here, but I feel like Isaiah green is like one of the most complete and he needs to go. He needs to get out of here and he needs to start pushing at a different level. And I think of all the guys that are here, he's one of those that are going to be up before anybody else because of his plate presence. <clears throat> yeah. And, and he's, he's a year and a half older than Hedbert. He's a year and a half older than Preciado, but he is, he is the fastest of, of these guys we've talked about. So yep. um, I, I definitely buy him at four who rounds out the top five for you. So the last one is the biggest struggle. Um, I think now this is some, now this is the first one I'm going to tell you that I have not gotten my personal looks at, uh, but through the complex, I've, I keep hearing about him. Everyone's talked about him and, and he has to be mentioned. It's Ever Everson Ortega with the, uh, the giants. He is tied for most homers in the complex league with seven. And I think he's been sitting on it for a while. He's the only of those guys that's hitting over 300, Strikes out, but he walks a decent amount. He's stealing bases, and he's the only one of those top homer guys that really can continue stealing bases. I mean, there's other guys like Owen Casey is somebody that I wanted to put on this list because I think he's very, very impressive. But like, he doesn't steal bases. Ortega does. And he's in line with that exact mold of what the Giants have been doing. They get guys that can get on base and that hit. And you know what? The Giants' track record internationally is through the freaking roof. So who am I to argue? He's been one of the best hitters out here. Uh, tied for most homers. He is fourth in hits out here. I think he's number one in RBIs. Uh, no, he's number three. Um, uh, Vernable was the number one who had, it's not even here anymore. But Ortega is, he's got quick hands. It reminds me of Luis Matos. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's sometimes you can just simply be like, hey, look at how good this organization's done. I've seen plenty of video on Ortega. He looks like Matos out there. He's making great decisions and he's destroying baseballs. So, you know, I don't have enough looks on it, but from a complex league level, here are the top five you need to pay attention to. He has to be mentioned. Yeah, and he's, of these guys, he's the biggest surprise to me because totally. I actually liked his teammate, Anthony Rodriguez, more coming into the year. And it's been, Ar Ortega's definitely the, the stud on that team uh, at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't see this coming at all. You know, no. like he, he wasn't on my top 400 coming into the year. Uh, the other four guys you mentioned were well inside the top 400. Same. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, you can't, like you said, you can't argue with it. And he's the same age as, as Preciado and, and Hedbert. So 
for him to be doing the most damage in the power department of all these guys, I mean, it, it definitely matters. Um, so I think he makes a lot of yeah. sense at five. And the only other thing I'd add to it is uh, what people don't understand also is like some of these complexes are not accessible. Now, if I wanted to go down the crazy route of like, you know, trying to get a, pre you can do that, but there's a couple of complexes that are just not open unless you're like a scout scout and the diamondbacks Rockies is one of those. And the giants, the giants are really tough. So I haven't made it a priority. You have to track them down on a way stuff. And I've just missed a couple opportunities, but you know, he's a dude, man. He's a dude. So uh, before we get to a message from the sponsors, I asked you for one sleeper who is not in your top 200, who's just kind of like, a, you know, this is a guy that people should just pay attention to. Like not, maybe not a guy you got to go add right away. These five guys we've talked about are, are rostered in, in pretty much every dynasty league already. But who's a who's a sleeper, a guy that maybe is flying under the radar that's, that's caught your attention? So I, I have a different name. The one I wanted, there, there's a couple, there's, there's multiple that you could go with. The one I wanted to say, but when you said outside the top 200, I felt like it disqualified him was Owen Casey. So I'm going to throw Owen Casey out there as a cheat, as a, as a cheat here, but like he might not be, but he is impressive. And I have talked to him a bunch. He's a, he has a great personality, six homers, 343 batting average, 476 OBP. He's walk. he has a bunch of strikeouts, but he's walked 24 times as well. So he is getting everything out of everything. And he started slow too, but that's not the guy I'm going to pick because I, I think he's higher into that top 100, a deeper guy. I would really start paying attention to as much as you can is Milan Tolentino. Um, with the Indians. He is a very, very impressive kid as well. 289 batting average. He's got six homers out here. I think he is either tied or number two in RBI out here with 30. He's double digit walk so far, and he has got a really, really good approach. And he consistently hits for power out here where everybody talks about Owen Casey. Tolentino is one of the guys I think you should pay attention to. Uh, like you said, Maybe not. He's like a not run and try to pick him up or anything like that. But if you've got like just open world where you can pick up guys and you're not limited, that might be a guy or keep a, a really, really good eye on because he is different than a lot of the infielders the Indians have put out there. This is like a this is an offensive bat where they have a lot of defensive guys like uh, Jordi uh, Valdez they picked up and Cairo and Raynel Delgado. Like a lot of these guys, Rocchio is a little bit more offensive, but like Tolentino has screams like 25 plus power if he can continue hitting for average. All right. I love that call. Uh, we're going to hit a quick break and hear some words from our sponsors, but we'll be back to predict which top prospects are going to be on the Arizona Fall League rosters this fall. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decisions. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head to WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over 1,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. All right, we are back with Chris Welsh. And Chris, uh, usually I head out in November to First Pitch Arizona. The, the I mean, it's probably the most fun weekend you could have if you're a fantasy baseball player. Uh, everyone from the industry is seemingly there. We get to go watch a bunch of Arizona Fall League action. We get to play poker. We get to have some beers and have some you know, whatever else people, people bring, but literally memories we we've had, <laughs> like uh, the one I always cite is you, myself and Eno Saris sitting behind home plate talking as JB Bukowskis was pitching the same night. I think Forrest Whitley was pitching. And I remember we were, t- I was asking him when we were talking about the viability of shorter pitchers staying at, as starting pitchers, as we were watching Bukowskis just light up with sliders left and right. Like I have, incredibly great great memories of that and that is one that always stands out uh with uh, yumi and Eno. yeah man it's it's absolutely the best uh baseball hq puts it on um brent and ray do a great job you know chris blessing's always out there i know eric cross was out there last time um you know just pretty much anyone that you're kind of familiar with uh from 
fantasy baseball Twitter yeah. is probably out there. Uh, unfortunately, my streak of hanging out with you at First Pitch Arizona is coming to an end this year. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a personal commitment that I, I couldn't really justify breaking uh, for this one. Uh, it's it's a huge bummer. But I mean, you you cover that league better than anyone, so I, I know I'll be able to follow along with everything you're doing and and the podcast you do out there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just, a bummer. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It is for different sure. though. It is different because this year the conference is happening the first week of fall league because there was no fall league last year. Usually it happens towards the end when there's the all star game, and that is not happening. It's literally day two of the fall week start is when the conference kicks off. So it's it's a different time, and I understand it, but it's gonna be a bummer not seeing you there. Yeah, man. Um, and I, you know, I, I contemplated maybe trying to go out for the Fall Stars game, but I just the the flights. I mean, the, with it being on TV and everything, I, I couldn't really justify it. But um, I'll, I'll be there next year. Um, assuming there is a, a first pitch Arizona uh, next Ooh. year. But um, before we get into this this draft, which I think is going to be really fun, um, I just wanted to kind of lay out for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar what the process is for teams deciding which of their prospects they want to send to the AFL and maybe, you know, what type of factors play a role in that. And if there are any changes for this year that you're aware of. Um, so, I mean, from my, from my understanding, at least the last, the last time they did it, uh, every team, you know, gets the same amount of slots to send people, uh, yeah. but they don't, they don't get the same, positions necessarily to send people right like you yeah they, they, they get seven to send seven but the teams will kind of dictate who the star like they could technically so here's an example they could send out whoever the hell they want but they have to get an idea so teams have to kind of give an early idea of what it's looking like so they can construct rosters so this example was when i i talked with royce lewis in 2019 it was actually before the fall league started he was out here training and we were chatting and he told me that they asked him if he wanted to go because he couldn't play shortstop because they had um, that same team had Geraldo Perdomo and Fidel Brujan. And they're like, we are set. So if you go out, you can't play shortstop. And he was open. And I think all he said it like that, where I also think the twins wanted him to have some versatility. So had he said, I only want to play shortstop, he would not have come out because there was no position set for him. So he ended up playing second, third, and center field. So I don't know if a team is constricted to what they can put out, but they have to give an idea because like the Braves, what the Braves love to do is the Braves will usually bring, they want to have like three or four pitchers. Like, so they're always heavy in pitchers when they come out here. So um, I, I don't know the inner, inner working details, but there definitely is kind of a like roster positional construction that ends up happening and could leave some players out. Yeah. And I mean, talking about Royce Lewis, that ended up being, uh, you know, one of the best decisions he's ever made. Uh, he won MVP. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah I mean, he won MVP in the fall league and he was one, he, I mean, he was incredible out here. And he looked great playing all over the all over the field, and that really sort of helped maintain his prospect stock in my eyes. Because he would have been up this year had he not 
gotten injured for the year. Like right. I no doubt in right. my mind because of the positional flexibility that he created, he came off of such a garbage year and and me and him talked about it. He explained he missed spring training and with a wrist injury and then he spent the first month back almost like his spring training and he never got his feet back up. So he I mean it was a lost season and the fall league was the repair that he got while also like you said playing great at multiple spots. He's a versatile player and I think He's one of those super underrated guys because he didn't play this year. People just want to keep pushing him down and down and down lists. It's like when he gets back, as long as he doesn't get back to old bad traits, I think Royce is going to be in a good spot. Yeah. I, if anything, I feel like I'm almost like every update, like bumping him up a spot or two. I would be trying to get him right now in Dynasty because yeah, I just think he's at a low. Because I mean, the as soon as next next year's spring training starts, uh, you know, if if Royce looks like he's back, I mean, he'll he'll probably debut yeah. next year, and I mean, the tools uh, I think are still going to be there. I mean, the makeup with him is just off the charts, so yeah, uh, would not give up on Royce Lewis. But um, so yeah, I mean, that Royce Lewis is a perfect example of the type of guy who goes to the AFL, right? Because he missed yeah. that time. Um, you're going to see a lot of guys there who maybe missed a month or two during the season due to injury. Uh, you will see some guys who played a full season, but. Uh, you know, teams understand that these guys, it's its a really long, full season, especially for the guys who maybe are playing in their first full season in the minors. To, to then send them to the AFL, it's asking a lot. So you will see a lot of guys who miss time to kind of make up for that. Um, you will see guys get sent who the team has to make a, a Rule 5 40-man decision on. Maybe it's kind of like a last chance for that player to sort of prove like you should add me to the 40 man or maybe a, a audition for that player. If the team is, is considering trading them. Um, I'm trying to think of like some other so, like classic examples of why guys get sent. Yeah. I mean, so it's like the roster construction is the, I don't know how much it's changed, but typically it is supposed to be double A or higher. So I think another thing is like, if you see guys get pushed to double A here at the end, that's kind of a sign but teams are given an exemption. There's an international exemption. And I think there's like one other exemption. So it's possible to see like high A players that are in there as well. Um, there's a taxi squad where you, you could have a player that they just want a little bit of run just to maybe be out there. But I think what you nailed is you, you should typically look for a double A or higher players B players that miss time. But I'd also say what I think is finicky about this year is there was a full month cut off of the minor league season. So regardless of guys playing a full season, mm -hmm. the idea of this is for teams to want players to simulate a full season. So a minor league season ends early, a month early. Now it's two months off that teams, you know, guys that are close will want to send some players that can get 500 at bats total in their season or extend their pitches. So double A or higher, um, international is a biggie and injured players. Those are kind of the big key markers to see. But at the end of the day, this is kind of that, fin you know, another example, Perdomo was super weird. He was the youngest player out here in 2019. Well, guess what happened during the pandemic? He came up or was it the, I don't remember if it's a pandemic or early this year. It was but the very beginning of this year. He was, yeah. Up. And he was up and it was a shock, but it was like it, the AFL kind of showed that this is how the team was pushing him and ready for him to go. So it really is that kind of finishing ground. And But I think that's a good way that you laid it out. It's seven, seven players per team. There's some will be taxi squad. Um, they're going to be double A or higher with a few exemptions to 
bigger name internet or, or older international players who you won't see. Maybe it's a better way to say this as well. You will not see the Christian Hernandez's. You will no. not see the low international guys. You won't see high school drafted players. There won't be Jordan Lawlers or anything like that. You will not see the low A or lower players come out here. You also won't see very many high end pitching prospects out there. Um, That's a good point for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's it a it's a very hitter friendly environment. Uh, you know, you will see there. You know, Forrest Whitley's been there. Brent Honeywell's been there. Alex Reyes was out there for a minute. Um, Shane Boz was out there. Uh, so there are exceptions to that, but in general, the pit, the hitting is always much better than the pitching out there. Correct. Yeah. I mean like there, yeah, there are some exceptions, I think to players that could have missed like really significant time, but in the past, like in 2019, Sixto was there and then he opted not to go. So like top pitching prospects aren't exactly great to do it, but like, you know, Spencer Howard was out here and he looked great and then yeah. he's just fallen apart. Um, but yeah, the pit, the pitching is finicky. I mean, I'm going to give you a little uh, teaser here. I will not be drafting a pitcher. I won't in, either in our thing because I'm not going to mess with that. There's a couple that I do think, and I had a couple guys, and maybe we can discuss it after. But I will not be taking a pitcher because I'm not going to try to project the guy that's going to be out here. I think a lot of times, two teams kind of want full control over their prized pitching prospects in terms of like when are we pulling this guy from each start, like that type of thing. And you, you don't necessarily want that in someone else's hands. But. That was a Spencer Howard thing. When he was out here, they, the team had said they only wanted five starts. He was only going to come out here and could only make five starts and was limited. I mean, these guys really do have limits on pitching and stuff like that. Sometimes they go into the bullpen, but yeah, it's, it's too hard to project, but Hey, we've had some big names come out of here. You know, some guys that are in rotations now have been in the fall league, but it is, it's a rough place to pitch. All right. Chris, since you are the guest, I'm going to give you the first overall pick in our Arizona Fall League roster prediction draft. And um, to kind of uh, make it clear, we're each going to pick five players. So it'll be back and forth for for 10 total players of the guys. And and we're going to keep it pretty sexy. Like we're not going to dig in yeah. um, super deep on, on guys who aren't that relevant, but um, just kind of the, the best players who we're the most confident in in terms of getting that that invite to the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, so and I love I, I love this because I talked about it on my last show. Like I have actually made a all the teams. I've put all the teams down and I've put like three to four players on each team that I think are gonna go. So this is a confidence level standpoint. So we'll see how much we interject. So with the first pick in the lock a going to AFL draft, Julio Rodriguez with the Seattle Mariners. And Julio was there in 2019, obviously missed time. But this season, not only has he been successful, but he also missed some time in the minors of the Mariners to go play in WBC. So he was playing in the, the classic and Julio still has some stuff to work on. So I won't tell you exactly if I have, by the way, 100% been told he will be there because that may or may not be a fact, but Julio Rodriguez makes the most sense because also they train out here. He lives out here, you know, when he's not, you know, back in the DR or anything like that, he, he has a place out here. So it makes all the sense in the world because he also gets to be at his own complex. The Mariners are one of the host teams, so he can play at his own place where he's familiar. They still want him to work on breaking ball stuff. And if he's, if, it, if we're talking about finishing ground, you got to have it. You know, he hasn't gotten up to AAA or anything like that. So lock guarantee number one, Julio Rodriguez in the 2021 AFL. You know, with, with Julio, um, the funny thing is like, he was awesome 
when he was in the Arizona Fall League Great. two years ago. Like, yeah, so, he was amazing. Like, uh, it's you know, I I agree with you. Um, it's just and and in the AFL when we were down there and and we saw him, uh, that was when I sort of first came to the conclusion that he was gonna surprise people with how many bases he was gonna steal because that was the first time that he kind of made a point of. I'm going to steal bases and I'm going to be good at stealing bases. And you could kind of see like he for baseball players, like he has about as big of a wingspan as you could have at, at six, four. And I think that that kind of sneakily helps him be a successful yeah. base stealer because it's just so long. I'd also interject. He said it on my show. I interviewed him after uh, one of the AFL games and we talked on field for, you know, three or four minutes. And he literally was, he was pissed about a stolen base. He's like, I stole that base and they didn't give it. And I commented on it and he said he wants to steal more bases and he has proven to be that. And that was, and again, that's one of those things why the AFL can be important because you pick up these nuggets of players are trying to do this and actually implementing it. And that was one of those things. He's like, I want to steal more bases. I want to be that he had stolen three or four in the AFL during that time. And he continues to do it. And he was fantastic out here and he will be out here again. What now can I ask you, was he your number one pick? He was not. Um, I, I was good. I, I, you know, I, I still, I'm kind of doing this. I have my list of like 10 to 12 guys uh, that I feel pretty good about. And I moved Julio to one last second, by the way, I want to point out he's not, he was not my confidence one. I moved him up because I wanted to make sure to get him. I actually had him at four on the confidence, but I moved him to number one on confidence. So now this is a snake. So you get two picks, right? No, we're going to go. We're going to go every other. Just, um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters too much, but every other is fine. And we'll get, we each get a break from dynasty. I think dynasty people are happy that you just did that because dynasty is like, let's not have it snake. It should be one for one. All right, uh, with with the second overall pick and my first pick, uh, I'm going to take Pedro Leon of Ooh, yep. the Houston Astros. Uh, this is a injury one. This is making up for lost time, and and he might have gone anyways, just because you know he's still getting acclimated to stateside pitching and everything, and he, he had a long uh, layoff from competitive baseball before uh, heading to Double A this year, and. He, he suffered a broken finger in late July and he will not play again this minor league season. Um, there there might've been an outside chance that he could have gotten a look uh, in September for Houston, just, you know, if he'd really impressed at triple a, but um, his, you know, his first few weeks stateside were not great. Like it, it like I said, it took him a while to kind of adjust, but he had a 929 OPS um, from the beginning of June and he got that bump to AAA. He, he was only there for about a week before getting hurt. Uh, but I, I think there's big time power, big time speed with Leon. So um, he's still maybe not a, a household name. Um, he's a top 20 prospect for me. And I think he is going to figure in uh, prominently into Houston's plans in 2022, as long as he kind of holds his own um, when he goes to the AFL. And then he'll probably open the year at AAA again. But I think Leon probably Leon probably spends more time in the majors next year than in the minors. Yeah, I, I had him on my list. He was on my top 10. He was a little bit lower because I knew I wasn't going to get him because I know you would draft him here. But of my top 10 locks, uh, just to make sure I don't get stuck, uh, Leon was on my list, and I 100% agree. Whether injury or not, he was coming out here. Nice. All right, you're back on the clock. I am doing a very similar thing. This was a guy I had at number one. I was just hedging my bet to get Julio with a second pick. C.J. Abrams from the San Diego Padres, who was out for the season, but 
He is out here in Arizona. He is at the same complex, by the way. That complex that Seattle has, they share it with the Padres. So this is an opportunity where he has not gone home. He has stayed here uh, from some people I've talked to. He is, that is the plan. It's not a guarantee because of injury. This could actually be similar to Kyle Lewis, where Kyle Lewis, uh, one of the years in 2018, I think it was, he was here, didn't play for three weeks, and then he started getting into games. Abrams will be put on a roster because he's here. He's training. He stayed with the Padres facility the whole time. And the injury is lining up as long as there's no setback that he, he is going to play because he's missed significant time. And also, you know, throw in Tatis moving to the outfield, like Abrams timeline, he's moving himself up with how successful he is. So that's a sexy one. CJ Abrams, my second lock for the fall league. And like I said, like Julio, he gets to play at his own complex with that team. Man, we're already, I mean, this is already three really good reasons to to head out to uh, first pitch Arizona. I mean, if you can no see doubt. Julio, CJ Abrams, Pedro Leon, I mean, um, for me, that's that's three top 20 prospects, two top 10 prospects. Uh, I'm going to take with my second pick and fourth overall pick, uh, I'm going to take another guy who will actually be inside my top 15 on the update that's going to go live on Monday. And this is a guy who missed time to begin the year. He is healthy now and he's really performing. Uh, that is Josh Young, mm. uh, third baseman uh, for the Rangers. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, uh, I think that was back in spring training. I mean, they had talked back uh, last year. I think, yeah, it was a foot injury. If he hadn't gotten hurt, uh, there was some chatter that he might have been up this year. I mean, maybe that wouldn't have happened just because the Rangers are in full rebuild mode. But, um, you know, he he has been at double A this whole time. Uh, he's you know really performing the the talk of him getting to more power. Um, seems legit, at least to me. Uh, I mean, it's not a massive uppercut swing, but they, they adjusted his his stance a little bit to unlock some power and, and the hit tool has always been a big thing with him. And uh, I just think the fact that he didn't debut this year until June 15th, I just think he's, he's a natural uh, call to, to head there. And I mean, he is kind of the face of, of this Rangers rebuild. Like he he's their kind of crown jewel on the farm. So I think if they get a chance, they're going to send Josh Young. Yep. I agree. I didn't actually have him on my list, but it's a great call. It's another one of those instances where a, one of the home team that is like, that would be his home stadium. Surprise always hosts a team. It makes all the sense in the world. I 100% agree with you. All right, you're back up. All right, uh, so this is going to be the last of the like super sexy picks uh, I'm going to give, but this is another big name, and I will not confirm yay or nay that I've been told anything. But with the third pick uh, and another massive name out here, I am going to pick Adley Rutschman from the Whoa. Baltimore Orioles. Yep, who is at AAA. I, I don't believe there's any end in sight that he's going to be called up uh, to the majors this year, but he is a prime example uh, of a catcher that he's only going to amass maybe close to 400 at bats this year. And if they're going to be, I mean, he's close. He's going to be a next year guy that you bring him out here in the fall league to see other pitchers, to see other coaching, to maybe even work potentially on another position for flexibility is something I think they could do with him where he could play some first base. That's what Bohm did when he was out here first and third that he is the quintessential afl guy to come out here and get some reps uh for hitting and maybe some reps at some other positions and like i said i may or may not have any info on that so adley <laughs> rutschman is the number three 
Well, yeah, I, I actually was not going to go there just because I was unsure, you know, with him being a catcher and having logged, you know, a, a full healthy season. I didn't know if they wanted to, you know, put that extra wear and tear on him. But I, I think you you probably know what you're talking about with that pick. And, and I'd also say, like, you could throw in that I, I think it would be likely they would send maybe a Grayson or a DL Hall, maybe both, that those guys all get to work together. And this is an opportunity for, like, maybe Adley to catch games where he is pitching. And then Adley could get maybe a little bit of work at uh, first base. You know, that that is what this is here for. That is why. And while also he could also DH. Like, he doesn't have mm-hmm. to catch. He could just get more at bats that I think they're going to want to do for a full season. All right, man. I mean, a lot of big names. Uh, We have yet to take anyone who's outside of my top 20. Uh, But that, hmm, do I want to do it? No, I got a couple guys here. Like, I'm not sure where I want to go either. I'm going to take another big swing. Uh, I'm going to take, let's see here. I'm going to take my third overall prospect, Brennan Davis. Yeah. Outfielder for the Cubs. Now Davis didn't miss a ton of time. He did miss a little over two weeks to start the year. Uh, I think he was recovering from a concussion maybe. Um, I mean, he, he certainly didn't look any worse for wear when he uh, headed to high a quickly forced the issue uh, promoted to double a. And I mean, he's just been a machine this year. Uh, the power has shown up uh, right on schedule for Davis. Uh, you know the the big the big question I have with him is is just what type of stolen base output can we expect in the majors from Davis? I mean he he's long been graded a plus runner, but uh, has not you know for whatever reason hasn't attempted that many this year. I mean I do think the power is the most kind of game-changing tool with him. I mean, he's just got such a beautiful swing that's that's really geared for for launching the ball. Uh but I think the fact that, you know, A that he that he hasn't played a full season, um B, you know, I mean the, the Cubs are are based out there in Arizona and you know, when the Cubs when it, when it's the Cubs turn to pick seven prospects to send, you know, he's there he's by far their best prospect who's anywhere near the majors. And so like, I just think it would be weird for them to not pick Brendan Davis and, you know, kind of set him up so that next year he can maybe earn an assignment to AAA right out of spring training. And then from there, you know, it's, it's anyone's guess when he's up. Yeah, I, that's a great. I mean, he also lives here. I just throw that out. And another instance of the home team that would be hosting a team is the Cubs. So he lives in Arizona. He's Cubs. It would be his home, but it makes all the sense in the world at this time. I 1000% agree. Number four for me and this is going to be a name. This is not as sexy, but this is a name that many people know with me. And it's pretty easy. Indians, George Valera. Now, Ooh. the only caveat is he's only at high A, but I think they can rectify that by bumping him up to double A or giving him an exception. He's earned it. <laughs> he's, earned it. Uh, he's missed time. He hasn't hit 200 yep. bats this year. And he's rule five eligible is another thing that they yep. need to consider. I don't think they're going to worry, but he's just missed so much time. Um, and, and I think like he could use a challenge. Yes. He uh, could. Like 
I, it's gotten to the point now at high A where I think it's it's coming a little too easy for him. And, and 15 homers and 188 <laughs> at-bats so far this year. Yeah. He's also got eight stolen bases. He's a 255 average with an over 400 OBP. He's 20 years old. I think he's a star. I've been touting him forever. This one is a lock to me that the Indians need to do this with him. And they could stash him with like Rokio as well. I think that's a possibility. Those two are buds. But Valera, Rule 5 eligible, missing time, uh, all of that plays that he is 100% going to be out here. Just a quick uh, aside, uh, just on, on Valera, since you mentioned him and, and selected him. Uh, I He's a tough guy for me to rank. I, I've been um, trying to figure out where to put him on this next update. As of now, I think he's going to be number 27. Um, but I, someone hit me up the other day and was like, shouldn't he be top 15? And they were like citing off his stats. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I like Valera, but I don't even I don't even have him as high as you're talking about right now. You can't ignore the batting average concerns like you have to consider that he last two seasons. I mean, he has never hit for three. He hit for 300 in rookie ball in 18 at bounce. Otherwise, he's been sub 260. That's something I am worried about, but he can run. He's got power like to give a, a sub 260 hitter in the minor leagues. A top 20 is I think it's rough and i'm his biggest fan on the planet so i have him how about this i have him uh i i'm gonna have him 27 and nick prado 28 which, which side of that coin do you want because i know those are both welsh guys yeah i'd still go valera like i think valera is gonna be like a star star like i i, I and he's not there and i say all that and i'm like hey you got to be careful about it that's my hedgy thing that i do like you want to be careful about it but i really do think like valera has got the personality he's got the swing that's going to be highlight reel he and he also backs it up he's so also I got think. a he's also got like a 20 percent walk rate while getting to all that power so yeah yeah um, exactly you know. uh all right so i'm a, i'm onto my fourth pick you just made your fourth pick so this is the yep. eighth overall pick and I mean, this guy has been kind of out of sight, out of mind for a while now, even though he was one of the biggest sort of not pop up guys, but breakout guys early in the season. Uh, I'm going to go with Gabriel Moreno. Ooh, that was going to be my last pick. That was my last <laughs> pick. That's a good one. Uh, the Blue Jays catcher of the future. Uh, he's been out since the end of June with a broken thumb and that that sets up just perfectly for him to, to heal up and head out to the AFL to make up for lost time. Um, you know, he's, he's probably getting fairly close to being ready for, for some sort of game action. I don't think they're going to rush him at all. I think they're just going to put him on ice until the fall league. But uh, that one to me is, is an easy call for the injury, the missed time. And like, they love this guy. Like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got up next year, which is crazy to say for a catcher who was born in the year 2000. But, um, you know, he's kind of on a, on a really a meteoric rise through the minors. So uh, Gabriel Moreno, I mean, if we have Gabriel Moreno and Adley Rutschman out in the AFL, I mean, that's, <laughs> Loaded. that's better. That's better catching than you'll, you'll ever see out there. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with you on that one. My last one, I, it's tough. Cause I got a couple locks here and there, there's even some like ones I want to, take a guess on uh but my last one i'm gonna go with the played a little bit easy and i was torn between these two uh quote outfielders but i'm gonna go with my last pick uelki cespedes with the, the white Sox, who is 23 years old he's moved up to double a he's found really early struggles but success he's a stocky dude but stolen 10 bases 
uh, horrible, horrible comps he got in extended spring training and stuff. Eric Longenhagen was talking about how he was just swinging. He just wasn't looking at any pitches. He seems to have settled down, but this is an older uh, Cuban player that they're going to want to move through. He might be a DH. This is a prime. Keep him here. Now, I, I suppose they could let him go, but you get a double A guy, international guy that you need the reps. The Marlins did it with Victor Victor Mesa and the White Sox will do it with Yolki Cespedes and he will be out here. That's my final pick, but it was tough because I had a couple other guys I thought were locks. Okay. Uh, should I go with a really good prospect that I'm not Conf that I'm not like super confident on, or should I go with a lesser prospect who I am confident on? Um, go with the, the not confident one. I okay. wonder if it's I wonder if it's the same guy that I want. I have. All right, I'm gonna go with Tristan Casas. Oh, okay. The Red Sox. Um, now he obviously played for Team USA, uh, which is why he's only played in 54 games at Double A this year. But uh, it, it's been a fine year for him. It's probably like there's nobody, none of the people who were like crazy high on him before the year would have expected him to only have six homers in 54 yeah. games. I mean, he life. did also play with Team USA, something right. to consider that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think like going into the year, I think the Red Sox fully intended on this guy being a big part of their 2022 season. And I think sending him to the fall league will help them get a better sense of just how much time he's going to need in the minors next year before he's going to be ready. Cause it could, you know, it could be a thing where he's just spend a good chunk of next year at triple a, but if, you know, maybe something clicks for him um, this year in the, in the fall league, maybe that, that maybe uh, accelerates his timeline. They have a history too. They've sent Bobby Dalbeck, Michael Chavis. Like this is a really good opportunity. And why? Like I know some people can drone some of this out. Like oh, blah, blah. but like we're bringing up these guys that are all very relevant to next year. And like the AFL could be a differentiating factor of why a guy makes a roster and how quick. You know, like mm -hmm. Bohm got work at first base, which made them feel more comfortable because third base was lacking. If you get cases out here and you see him primarily work at first, that might be a storytelling for next year that he's not going to be a third baseman. So AFL is really important. And I agree with you. Cases has moved all around that. This is the opener. I think Jeter Downs comes with him. I, I think what he does here could be a determining factor how quick he's up. Yeah, Downs probably goes for different reasons. Yeah, much different. Reasons. Downs, Downs is kind of a uh, hey. Any any other team uh, interested in this guy? Um, yeah, but uh, that'll that'll close up that draft. We we took ten guys. Some guys um, on the board we left though. Uh, Drew okay, Waters. Yeah, yeah Drew Waters yep. is a hundred percent coming. Yep, one hundred percent. Yep. The Braves have always sent out their top outfield prospects. He's one hundred percent coming uh, on my list. Also, I didn't say him because I already said big names, but I think Torkelson comes out. You know, he lives. Yep. He, he went to ASU. They're trying to work him at third. I think there's no doubt him and Riley Green probably come out. And the one I wanted to say but the, it's even riskier than Abrams is Corbin Carroll is Corbin Carroll. Right. Uh, yeah, he's, he's here. He's here in Arizona. He's at the facility. And again, if the injury warrants and it's okay, he will play in the fall league. But to me, he's a little dicier than Abrams. I just wasn't sure. Right. With, with Carroll, I wasn't sure where he was going to be at health wise. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like Royce Lewis has been ramping up. Uh, I don't think they would push him 
that quickly. That was another guy that I like considered, but wasn't sure if he'd be ready health wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Jeremy Pena is probably a lock with the Astros. Uh, he's been here before too. So, and then, uh, you didn't mention Bobby Witt and that kind of tipped me off to the fact that maybe you have some Intel that he's not coming. So um, yeah. It's, so it's interesting to that, like from, okay. If he, here's how I'll say this. If he doesn't get called up 100% fall league without question fall league. Uh, he also bought a house here. Like he bought a house and surprise. Blah, blah. If you don't see him get called up 100% fall league. But I think that Bobby Witt call up could be within the next two weeks. I think it's very likely we see Bobby Witt even before September. Um, not saying that's going to happen, but I, I think, that's how I line that up. And that's why I didn't go with Bobby Witt because I think we very, very likely could see him. But if you don't, you can guarantee he will be here. And the reason why I think, you know, people might say, well, why would they bring up Bobby Witt? They're completely out of the mix. Uh, I think they are going to give him every chance to win an opening day spot next year. And if they're going to do that, they might as well just bring him up now. Yep. Um, so I think that that's, that's a decent call. Uh, how about a guy who I was, I'm still probably lower than, than anyone on, but I was dead wrong and in, in hating on him on your podcast before the season. What about Alec Thomas? Oh, hundred percent. I agree. Just going up to triple a, uh, he, you know, I interviewed him before the season started and he was kind of pissed that he wasn't like at major league camp. So yeah, I, 1000% agree. Uh, you know what? He's on my like list list, but I didn't put him as locks, but that move to AAA all but assures he will stay out here, get more reps. He missed some minor league, you know, the first month because we didn't have it. Yeah. There's another guarantee. Uh, I also think Austin Martin is yep. a, a decent bet. Um, he's on my big list on the pitching side. I mean, this guy's had a really brutal year, but I think you might see Jackson Rutledge out there. Um, just to kind of make up for for lost time. You know, um, someone I think we see, I think we see uh, Brendan McKay. Brendan McKay's oh, missed sure. the whole year. He has an exhausted prospect eligibility and he can play both sides. I think he's a guarantee to come out here. Anyone else you want to mention before we wrap it up? No, I think we, I mean, there's, there's tons. I might mention a few more on my show prospect one, uh, but we hit a lot of them. I mean, I'm, you know, even some of the names we just went through, I've got on my list and it, it's going to be a pack. It has a chance to be a packed year. And we may people, the biggest question people may be asking is like, well, when are we going to know that's kind of up in the air? I would guess the end of August is a, is a likely time where announcements will come in. And I would say, if you see Bobby Witt on that list, that might preclude, you know, if he hasn't been called up him being called up because that's why they would put him there. But now there's going to be huge names. It's going to be a big year. It's going to be have everybody, but you. Which is <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, it sounds like I, I picked a pretty rough year to not head out there. I mean, this, yeah. cause and it makes sense, right? Because like, if you look at like my top 30, top 40 or so, I, I don't know if there's a single guy who's actually in the majors who is on there like all of the elite guys uh are are in the minors somewhere and yeah. and most of them are obviously at you know double a triple a so it would make sense this would be an absolutely loaded afl crop um so there's a lot to look forward to to the people who are going to be out there uh really appreciate you coming on chris why don't you just let everyone know one more time where they can find you on twitter uh where they can find your work what you've got going on that they might want to check out yeah uh 
at is it the Welsh is the Twitter handle. Uh, Prospect One is a podcast to this conversation that you'd want to check out, but also the In This League Fantasy Baseball podcast. And all of my ranks, I've got a top 500 list that also has like sorted by, you know, team and position. I've got first year player ranks up there. I've got dynasty list. It's all on my Patreon, patreon.com slash ITL army. If people want to check it out, it's updated monthly, sometimes uh, by monthly, so multiple times. And that is all year long. The podcast goes all year long and you know afl is going to be coming up i'll have a lot of coverage there so you know check out the patreon and check out the twitter to follow along if you'd like awesome dude uh really appreciate it again and i uh, can't wait to to see uh follow your work with the afl since i won't be out there uh, yeah but, brother I'm, uh, thanks for having me on man it's a bummer i'm not going to see you but i know we'll do some pods Yep, the Rotowire uh, baseball podcast brought to you by WinBet. Uh, thanks for joining us. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.